0: So, we are doing a series that we are in, we have entitled Connect, and it's, uh, you know, with uh, COVID, there's been a lot of disconnection, and so. We are trying to uh, remind us of how God wants us to connect to connect with Him. Like last week, we talked about how uh, the most important connection is our connection with Jesus. That as we abide in Him and He abides in us, we can bear much fruit. But apart from Him, we can do nothing. Uh, Today, I find it a little humorous that uh, you know I, I try to plan sermons about three months in advance. That doesn't mean I've I've planned the entire sermon, but the sermon series about three months in advance. And so about three months ago, this was already set in place. And the fact that we're preaching on this particular passage on this particular day, when there are less people here than probably we've had in a while, I find it ironic, but God is sovereign, God is in control. And so we're gonna go ahead with what he uh, wants us to hear and we'll see what fruit it brings. So if you are, you'd like to look in a Bible, if you have a Bible, uh, turn to uh, Hebrews 10, but if you don't, and you, or you just don't wanna look in your own Bible, that's fine. You can look at the screen. Here's what we're gonna read today from God's word. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Father, I I do want to admit, there is a bit of irony in this passage from today, in how uh, we are still going through this pandemic and the frustrations that it brings, the, the, the problems that this pandemic has brought, the stress that it has put on people and families and the hospital systems and, and even the church. And yet we admit that you are sovereign and that your word always is true and good for us in season and out of season, that it, your word is breathed out by you so that we can be taught that we can be corrected, that we can even be rebuked and trained in righteousness so that we will be fully equipped for what you called us to do. And so today, as strange as this sermon may seem in the ears of those who hear, give us ears to hear, Uh, give us hearts to receive, Uh, give us everything that we really need so that when we hear what you have to say to us from your word, We will respond with faith, with repentance, and with obedience. Help us, Jesus, because we need you. Amen. So, I think it's safe to say that in our society, being involved in the church is not that high of a priority. I don't think that's an overstatement. One recent poll, and I know some of you don't like polls and some of you are okay with them, but I think they're at least interesting to give us some type of insight into what's going on in society around us. According to one poll, only 21% of non-Christians have a positive perception of the church. 21%. So if there's only 21% of non-Christians who have a positive perception of the church, that means there's, and I'm not a math major, but I think that's 79% who do not have a positive perception. And why would someone want to be involved in something when they don't have a positive perception of it? A similar poll said that a majority of those who are in their 20s and 30s see the church as detached from the real issues that they are dealing with. Though so the church is talking about, you know, heaven and hell and uh, belief and faith, and they're dealing with taxes. They're dealing with their children. They're dealing with all kinds of other issues. And so the church seems detached from the issues that they are facing. We also have that in our society as a whole, and this was a surprising one, only 27% agrees that the church has a positive impact on society. 27% says that the church has a positive impact. And again, if you're thinking about that, if you're part of the other percentage, you're thinking, well, why would I want to be involved in something that doesn't have a positive impact? Add to all of that the way that the COVID-19 pandemic has affected church involvement, and you've got a perfect storm of problems for those of us who love the church, right? Since COVID, uh, church attendance has dropped on average 22%. Now that's not actually that bad. I thought it was a lot lower than that or a lot higher than that, the percentage of of drop. 22% still is a big deal. And my own anecdotal, you know, going around and talking to other pastors, asking them questions, seeing what their numbers are like, most churches in this general area are between 60 to 80% in-person attendance from where we were pre-COVID. 60 to 80, right? So if you were a church of 100, you could be somewhere between 60 to 80 people now. And this latest round of Omicron, uh, the infections have caused a lot of slowdown from the progress that many churches were starting to make in the fall of last year. And, And so here we are in this situation, and I'm dumb enough to read from Hebrews chapter 10 and encourage us that we're not to neglect meeting together. And I realize that this may seem like the wrong message at the wrong time. And I also realize that it may even seem insensitive to some people. And I get that. But at the same time, I want to encourage all of us to be willing to listen to what the Spirit says to the church through the Word. We cannot, if we're followers of Christ, we cannot ignore what the Scriptures say to us, even when times are hard, even when circumstances are challenging, even when there's a lot of wisdom that we have to have in order to know how to navigate the problems that are before us. We should not and we cannot ignore the scriptures. And so, we're talking about connection. Today, what we're encouraging us to do from the scriptures is to connect with the church. Connect with the church. And we get that from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. Let me read it one more time. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near." Okay, so let's deal with the, it's not an elephant in the room, it's a virus that hopefully isn't in the room. COVID, what about COVID? How do we deal with, okay, this passage tells us not to neglect meeting together, but the pandemic. COVID. Well, there there are a few things that we need to remember about this passage. One of those things, and we'll talk about this at the end of the sermon also, is that we automatically assume we know that what this passage is saying. We automatically think that means Sunday morning worship. That's what we have to do in order to fulfill what this passage is saying. And I would say that's part of it. But if that's all that you're getting out of this, you're missing a huge part of what this passage is really about. Don't hear me say what I'm not saying. Sunday morning worship is important. Sunday morning worship is good for us. Sunday morning worship is the way that God works in many ways. But if that's all you're doing is just showing up on Sunday morning and you're not connected to the church in any other way, you're not really listening to what the Spirit is saying from this passage. Connecting with the church is more than being in a building. Connecting with the church is being with people who are the church. That's not a point that you see on the screen, but it should be, right? It's not about connecting to a building at a particular time, it's about connecting with people And we connect with people in all kinds of different ways. Second, when it comes to COVID, um, there are are plenty of ways that we can get around our issues, right? There are vaccines. There are masks. We have a meeting room uh, in the fellowship hall. If you're not comfortable being in this room, you can go down there and watch it with other people more spread out. We even have online streaming, so that if you are really uncomfortable, you have some health problems or issues like that, you can watch online and still be connected to the service. But again, if that's all you're doing, you're still missing the boat of what this passage is about. Again, we'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. A third thing that we need to consider, (laughs) and this might be a little uncomfortable, But believe me, when I say this, I'm saying it because I love and care for all of us. And, And I do think that sometimes we get in our own heads and something in there is not quite right. And we let that not quite right mess us up in the way we think and the way we deal with stuff. For example, every one of us, we will adjust the form and the rhythm of our lives around our priorities. If your priority is to be a vegetarian, you're not going to ask your friend to go out to lunch with you at Five Guys. You're going to find another restaurant that allows you to eat what your priorities allow you to eat. If your priority is, I love Clemson football, and I wanna see it in person, I don't wanna just watch it on TV, I wanna be there. You're going to arrange your schedule, you're going to spend the money, and you're gonna take whatever precautions you need to take in order to be there, for that Clemson game. If your priority is to buy your own groceries, you don't want someone else to buy your own groceries for you. You want to pick the meat and the vegetables yourself because you know you got to thump that melon and you got to look at the cut of meat and make sure it's exactly the way you want it. You're not going to trust anybody else with that, so you put on your hazmat suit and you go to Food line. Right? But we all, whatever it is, whatever our priorities are, we adjust everything else to our priorities. My fear is that for many Christians, church isn't a priority. Being with the people of God it isn't a priority. I'm not saying that's true of you because you're here today. I'm not even saying that of you who are watching online, because you're watching online. I'm just saying that there are some people who that is the case for them. Their priorities are shown by what they will do and what they will not do. If your priority is to be connected to the church, you're going to make that happen one way or the other. will and that leads me to the last point that I want to make not a point that's on the screen but a point about why we need to think differently we we just kind of said COVID and that's like code for okay leave me alone (laughs) but I want you to remember we read from Hebrews chapter 10 just a few moments ago and that passage tells us not to neglect meeting together Do you know what the context of the book of Hebrews, when Hebrews was written, what was going on in the church at that time? It it was persecution. Persecution from the government, persecution from other religions. Christians were being mistreated. They were having their property seized from them. They were being thrown into prison. And in that context, in that kind of atmosphere, the author of Hebrews has the audacity to say, don't neglect meeting together. I know that may be the habit of some of you, but don't get in the habit or stay in the habit of not getting together in some fashion, in some way, because this is what we need. God wants us to be together. So connect with the church. Connect. Find a way. If your priority is, I love the church and I want to connect, you'll find a way. You'll find a way to do it. Now, you might be saying, okay, well, maybe that's not my priority. What's so important about connecting with the church? I'm glad you asked. I have two reasons. There are two main reasons. Connecting with, why connecting with the church is important. Two main reasons. Why? Connecting with the church is important. And the first is this, Jesus. (laughs) Jesus is connected to. Jesus is connected to the church and he highly values the church. Jesus is connected to and highly values the church. I mean, think about it. The church wasn't our idea. It wasn't a bunch of Christians just sitting around one day and they said, Hey, you know what would be great? Let's form a church. Let's just kind of get together and we'll call it church. That's not how it happened. No, Jesus is the one who said to His disciples, I will build my church. It's His idea. It's His project. It's what He values. And that's why he's connected to us. And he's so connected that he uses these metaphors to explain to us what we're like to him. Jesus says, We're his family. You're connected to family. (laughs) Whether you want to be or not, sometimes, but you're connected to family. And he calls us brothers and sisters. Not just distant cousin, not that crazed uncle that you, I, you dread meeting when you go to the reunion. No, we're talking about brothers and sisters. That close of a connection. He's not ashamed, the book of Hebrews tells us, to call us his siblings, his brothers, his sisters, his family. Jesus goes even further and says that we are his body, that he's the head and we're his hands, his feet, you're connected to your body, right? Your body is all connected. If it's not, something's really wrong. If your hand is not connected to your body, if your shin bone is not connected to whatever shin bone is connected to, there's a problem, right? So what we, what we see is Jesus is saying he's the head and we're the body, so we're connected, And then he goes even further to say that connection is so deep and so intimate that he calls us his bride. That when the scriptures say the two shall become one flesh, Paul goes on in Ephesians to say, yeah, I'm talking about marriage, but really I'm talking about Christ and the church. That you're one. We're that connected. In fact, in that same passage in Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 27, we read just how connected and just how highly valued you are to Christ, if you're in Christ. Listen to these words that we we all said as a confession of faith today. Listen to them again and hear just how highly valued you are by Jesus. Christ loved the church... Are you part of the church? Christ loves you. How much does He love you? He gave Himself up for her, for you, that He might sanctify her, that He might set her apart for Himself, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word, so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor. That's what Jesus wants for you, for you to be splendorous, full of splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that we all might be holy and without blemish. Jesus loves the church. He highly values this church so much that he was willing to put on flesh to live this perfect life of of no sin among sinners and then take all of our sin upon himself and die, and then take on the the humble position of being in a grave, and then rising from the dead so that he could be with us forever. That's how much Jesus highly values us. Not because we are great people, but because he chooses to love us. He chooses to value us. For many years, I went through this stage of thinking that nobody valued me, that nobody thought highly of me in any way, that nobody really cared that much about me. Now, that was messed up thinking because there were people who really did, but that's how I felt at the time, and then, This lady came into my life, Donna, and she showed me what it means to be highly valued. She has loved me well. She has been with me through thick and thin, through all kinds of problems, through all kinds of issues. We have weathered those things together, and I feel valued by her, not because I'm a great person, but because she has poured her love into me. If that's the case for Donna and me, how much more is that for Jesus and me? And if that's the case for Jesus and me, that's the case for any of us who know the love of Jesus. Jesus highly values you because he has placed his love on you. He's connected to you, and that's why we connect with the church. If you, connect with, if you are connected to someone that really enjoys something, that really highly values something, you want to share that with them, right? Right? My kids, at least initially, I really like Duke, Duke basketball. That's one of the things that I've looked forward to every every year of growing up. Been a Duke fan since as far back as I can remember. And my kids have picked up on some of that. Some of them even want to go to Duke, even though I tell them, well, you're going to have to get some really good scholarships if you want to go there. I mean, really good. But That's the way it is, right? When there's someone that you care about, when there's someone that you love, and you see they prioritize something, they highly value you, it, you will highly value it. And Jesus highly values the church. So that's the reason why we would highly value the church. There's a second reason why it's important for us to connect with the church. And this is more about you than it is about Jesus, all right? I mean, Jesus is connected to you too, but this is is more about what you need. See, Jesus is connected and he highly values the church, and that's why we should be connected to the church. But we also, we need each other. We need each other to follow Christ well. Let me say that one more time. We need each other to follow Christ well. You feel me? You get you get where I'm coming from? Have you experienced that? Have you tried following Christ all by yourself? If you did, how did that go? Not too good. Because we are designed to need each other in order to follow Jesus well. We're designed for relationship. We're designed to connect. In fact, the author of Hebrews in another passage in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3, says it this way. And I want you to hear the strength of what he's saying here. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you An evil, unbelieving heart. Now, listen, he is not talking to the world out there. He is writing this to the church. And he says, take care lest there be in any of you, any of you, this could be true for any of you, that there be an evil, unbelieving heart in you that would lead you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day, What? Every every when? Every Sunday, we're to hear the pastor preach. The pastor's the one that exhorts the congregation, and then we just go off on our lives. No, this says, you all, any of you, exhort one another. And how often do you do it? Every day. Why? You do that as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. See, that's that's the tricky part about all this, right? Sin, it's tricksy, it's insidious, it's crafty, it's subtle, It, it sneaks in, and it blindsides you. Here's a great example of it, all right? When Jesus was here on earth, when he was walking around in person in Israel, who were the people that Jesus had the harshest words for? Those Samaritans, they're just full of sin. We should talk bad about them. Is that what Jesus said? No, that's not what he did. You know, those Egyptians They're really bad people, just full of sin. We should, like, say nasty things about them and write them nasty letters. Because they didn't have Facebook or Instagram back then or Twitter. So you couldn't talk about them like that. You have to write a letter on papyrus. No. The harshest words Jesus had were for religious people. people who came to church every Sunday, people who dressed up and got real pretty and walked around and said, hey, I love Jesus. Jesus is great. God's great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. Let's, uh, amen. You know, that's, that's the kind of people that Jesus went after with His harshest words. Why? Because they thought they were right. They thought they were good. They thought that by being religious, everything was going to work out for them because God was on their side, and they didn't realize that sin was in the camp. Sin was in their hearts. They had been led astray by the deceitfulness of sin. Rather than relying on Jesus, rather than relying on God's grace, rather than relying on the truth of God in how it comes to us and tells us about us, they were looking at other people and they were saying, bad, 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 good. And they were wrong. They were right about all the bads. Where they were wrong was when they pointed to themselves and said good. That's how insidious Jesus, uh, that's how insidious Jesus says that sin is. It, it is crafty. It is subtle. It gets in there and it messes with your mind. And that's why we need each other. We need each other to be heard. We need each other to speak into each other's lives. We need each other because the deceitfulness of sin can lead us astray. And that's why, going back to our passage, our main passage from Hebrews chapter 10, that's why the author of Hebrews says, let us consider. Let's think about this. Let's consider how to stir up one another. To stir up one another toward love and good works. I was thinking about this this phrase, stir up. And and, and what came to my mind was my family. (laughs) Gosh, okay. So I'm going to let you in on a little part of um, Mazelle life. At our, at our family dinner table, all right, when we sit at the table, it does not take much to stir up the silliness. Doesn't take long at all. All we have to do, just one of us, has to make some stupid joke, some dumb, like a dad joke, right? All, that's all it takes. And then suddenly, everybody at the table has to be a comedian. It just stirs it up. Just one joke, and everybody at the table jumps in, and they're like, oh, I got something funny, I got something funny, let me say something funny, oh, let me take this joke, and that's just what happens. And sometimes it gets way out of control. It spreads like wildfire. And all I meant was to say a dumb dad joke. Wouldn't it be great if in the church we stirred one another up, not towards silliness, but toward love, where we love God and we love other people and we love people well. Wouldn't that be great if it spread like wildfire among us? Wouldn't that be great if one act in this church caused other people to go, ah, that stirs me up to want to do something good for other people? That's what the intention of this passage is, to make us remember, to consider how we are to stir up each other, not by accident, but to really think about it. How do we stir each other up? And then he goes on to say that we're not to neglect one to, one, to meet to, together, as is the habit of some, but to encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We all need encouragement. And my guess is most of us do not get it very often. Now, we just talked about mind reading and and that sort of thing in, in Sunday school class, so maybe I'm making some assumptions. But my guess is most of us do not receive enough encouragement, especially in what it means to follow Jesus. Just this past week, just this past week, I was talking with a pastor, And I was trying to encourage him. And so I told him, you know, I have heard several people in the community talk about your sermons and how good your sermons have been recently. And I just wanted to tell you that I think you're making a huge impact on your church and on the community. And he said, thank you. And then he said, and this is almost a quote, with that encouragement that you're giving me, that must mean I'm about to have a really bad day. Now think about what that means. That pastor must not be encouraged very much at all to have that kind of response to my encouragement. To just saying, I've heard that you've been preaching really well, and he says, oh great, I'm getting encouragement, so the bad day's coming. We need to encourage one another more in order to walk with Jesus well and then one more thing that this passage implies we all need each other because the deceitfulness of sin because we we all have a tendency to go astray we have blind spots again just this week i'm driving home and i have to turn left and um, there's this fedex truck parked right there right right on the side of the road And I I start to pull out, but I think maybe I should wait. And it's a good thing I did because the FedEx truck was hiding a car, it was speeding right through there. If I'd pulled out, there probably would have been an accident. We all have those situations where there's something that is dangerous to us, some, some sinful habit, some sinful problem that's in our lives, and we can't see it, and we need someone else to point it out to us. If there was somebody, if I had started to pull out and there was somebody on the other side of the road who could see past that FedEx truck to see what was coming, and they said, stop, don't do that, that would have made all the difference, right? Sometimes we need that person He says, stop. What you're doing is not good. You can't see it right now, but let me tell you, seriously, you need to hear this. And I'm saying this not because I hate you, not because I want to, you know, beat you up, but because I love you, because I care about you, because I want what's best for you. We need each other for that. We need each other to be stirred up. We need each other to point out blind spots. We need each other for encouragement. And so... That point, that gets us to our final thing, our action point. And if you don't know what it is by now, I don't think you've been listening, but that's okay. I'll say it to make it clear. Actively engage with the church. And again, when I'm saying actively engage, I'm not talking about just being at the building. I'm not even really talking about just being here for the worship service, although I I would encourage you to be a part of the worship service. Now, what I'm talking about is being involved with the people. Being involved with each other. We need each other. We need each other badly. So yeah, come to worship service, but be involved in a life group. That's one of the best ways that you can really engage with other people and engage really well with other people because it's a smaller group. I mean, think about what this passage says, that we're to exhort one another, that we're to encourage one another, that we're to stir up one another. Let me ask you, if you just show up, walk in, sit in a pew, and then listen to the, sing the songs, listen to the sermon, leave, how have you encouraged other people? Maybe by your presence, maybe by your singing voice, Maybe not. (laughs) But you really haven't spoken to another person in a way that's really going to encourage them, to stir them up. The only way you do that is life on life, connecting with one another, being with each other. And Life Group provides another opportunity for you to do that. Being involved in a ministry together. The people that I see who grow really well as friends together As close followers of Christ who engage with each other well, most of the time it's because they've been involved in ministry together. You know, they they got together and they helped build a ramp for someone in the community so that they can get into their house. And because they did that together, they're closer and they know each other better. They they, they work together in the children's ministry. And because they meet together and they talk about children's ministry and they work together, they know each other, they know their issues, they know what's going on, and they are able to connect with each other. So if you really want to actively engage in the church, don't just show up on Sunday morning. Be involved in a life group. Get involved in some type of ministry. Make that one of your priorities for this year. As I think about um, how I have engaged with the church as, as pastor, I recognize that there are times when I haven't really believed the passage, when I haven't really, even as pastor, that yeah, I, obviously I show up on Sunday morning, and I have to, it's my job, but I'm here. And so I think, okay, I've fulfilled that. And then you don't have to connect. Introverts are like that. But even for those of us who are on the side of introversion, even though for those of us who are, you know, we're not big connectors with other people, we still need each other. We need, still need to find time to connect. We still need that phone call. That letter, that note, that stopping by someone's house, that connecting through Zoom, that whatever it is that we need to do in order to be able to connect with another human being, especially a Christian, so that we can be encouragement to one another, so that we can connect with each other, so that we can stir one another up to a love and good deeds. We all need that. I need that. You need that. So let's not go another day without making being connected to the church that Jesus loves and highly values and is important to our health as a Christian. Let's not let another day go by without being connected to the church being a priority in our lives. So because of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit, let's connect with each other. Let's connect with each other often and well. Let me pray that we'll be able to do that. Jesus, we need you and we need your people. By the power of your Spirit, will you help us to really connect with each other well? That we will really connect often. And even if we need to be creative even if we need to find different ways of being able to make this work during this weird time of COVID, give us wisdom, give us direction, and cause us to be a people who, we make it a priority to connect and to connect well and to connect often because we know I need them and they need me. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen you. <laughs>